1: Tailgating. Tailgating. Yeah, tailgating's always a
2: blast. Yeah! It's time to start your Raider football day with the morning tailgate with your hosts, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Pang. Brought to you by Embajador Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group and Tuscany Suites and Casinos on Raider Nation Radio.
0: You know, we're talking about uh, the monumental, um, seismic, seismic check, or, uh, uh, um, change that occurred in college football uh, yesterday with USC and UCLA, announcing that they were going to the Big Ten of all conferences and what that means for college football. And and Heidi and I and Demont have been talking about, well, okay, what is it going to mean for the Pac-12? And our good friend over at CBS CBSSports.com, um, uh, Dennis Dodd, uh, brought up, okay, what does it mean for the Pac-12? And um, it doesn't look really good. And here's what he wrote. The Pac-12 situation, he compared it to um, – just to put this in perspective, he compared it to what happened with uh, the Big Twelve when Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were going to the SEC, which takes place in a year or so. You mm-hmm. know, probably almost uh, simultaneous to USC and UCLA. And what the um, and everyone's like, well, that's it for the Big Twelve with those two, um, you know, uh, Trojan horses uh, leading the way, no longer there. But what the Big Twelve ultimately did was they added BYU, they added Cincinnati. They added Houston and they added uh, the University of Central Florida to kind of make up. So, you know, they're they're, they're hanging on, the Big 12 is. Um, so they were able to kind of rebound, I guess, if you want to call that a rebound. Um, but as Dennis Dodd then wrote, the Pac-12 situation seems worse uh, than, than the Big 12s a couple of years ago. With Thursday's development, the league is in danger of imploding upon itself. Two high-profile sources told CBS Sports this may be it for the 107-year-old conference.
1: That's why I just can't say, yeah, that it's going to disappear. I just can't imagine it. I can't think about it. It's just, I think, it would be so detrimental in ways that we don't understand yet for communities nearby.
0: Well, I mean, I I think all those schools will go someplace. Oh,
1: sure. But I'm just thinking, like, you know, in terms of... What it meant and how it was established and just, you know, I don't know. It it just feels really like so much of it. it, Well, all of it is driven by the money and how the investments are going to go and what's poured into it and how you can recruit and all of those things. And it's just uh, I I just don't I, I just feel like. As it starts to happen, then you're going to see things like, okay, yeah, Mountain West teams will exist, but will the Mountain West, you know, will right. uh, will the WAC exist, will WCC exist, all these different conferences that you start to think about with these smaller teams and schools and like, what does that mean for them and their funding and their, you know, television show, things like that. And it's just... Um, if you start losing teams, let's say from the Mountain West, let's pretend Boise State and uh, UNLV, right? right, go in. Then how do you start to move around? What happens to the Mountain West next? Right. That's where I. That's where I'm talking about. Like, what does it mean to those communities and how things get realigned? And will your school be part of the Big Money program or will your school be not part of it? Will the, even Pac-12 be there? Or will it be just one yeah. giant division? You don't know. And it's just crazy.
0: No doubt about it. And as Dennis Dodd continued to write, uh, for now there is no interest from the Big 12 to take any Pac-12 schools. Uh, When a chance presented itself Thursday for the Big 12 Board of Directors to discuss these developments, one high-ranking Big 12 official said, why? Uh, That doesn't mean the Arizona schools may not eventually migrate to the new Big 12. Uh, There may be some value with Phoenix Market and being able to expand the conference's membership to 14. It does mean there is a reckoning coming uh, for the Pac-12 where, for the most part, the appetite for football pales in comparison to the rest of the country. I want to stop right there, and that's a very Accurate statement, and I think that that's what was frustrating to USC for so long. Um, you know, when you, when you look at the blase kind of eh, Stanford, even when they were good, like yeah. I, I remember going up to to Stanford when they hosted the Pac-12 championship game a, a few times, and there would be nobody in the stands. Like nobody was in the stands, and 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 uh, you know, I'm wondering why. And it's like, well, Stanford's like you know, Cal. I've been up to plenty of Cal games, whether it was USC or UCLA, and the, the attendance was okay.
1: The times I went to Sanford games, they were pretty... Packed. Who, who were,
0: were they? Do you remember who they were playing? It or?
1: was. Oh well, I went like to three different games when I was like sixteen right. to eighteen. So not or, really. I right. didn't Pay that attention, but I knew I went to a Cal game that was big. You know, yeah. Obviously, but
0: but you didn't get yeah. the like. I think um, when when USC goes to a Wisconsin, have you ever been to a game at Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. It is.
1: Those are places bonkers. are rocking. I see those all on TV. Yeah, it's Penn like,
0: State, Michigan, Ohio State, where it's like the whole town. Yeah. essentially shuts down um, yeah. and they, they they take it seriously and I think that that's you know uh, uh, reading oh. you know some accounts yesterday that USC was was a little upset because they the USC was the one that instigated this
1: well I think too there's like years that went by with you know Stanford other teams like that that are in the Bay Area because you have the 49ers you have the San Francisco Giants you have the Oakland A's you have the Raiders there for a time you things that you can go out and see throughout um, just as, as they all develop because they have big league teams whereas, you know, um, if, if you're going into other cities, that might be all they have like Oklahoma games, you know. It's like, what what else do you have in Norman and Oklahoma, right, you know? I mean, now they got, you know, the Thunder but it didn't used to be Oklahoma City, you know, right. had a team, it was NBA level, it, it's just, it, it, all that different stuff, you know, it it grows now, but it didn't used to have all of those things, and just it, and that's the one thing that the people of the town could flock to.
0: Right, no, no doubt about it. And the Pac-12 has had an issue um, with generating that kind of uh, excitement and that kind of passion. Um, and I think that that you know helped. Obviously, the money uh, played a huge role into it and I, uh, too. But I think USC always kind of got the sense: Is anyone taking this seriously over here? Is like anyone really like? All in on trying to win a national championship. Uh, Is anyone all in on making this conference? And we're talking about football because football, in a lot of ways, drives all of this. Is anyone all in on making this one of the premier conferences as the SEC is, as the Big Ten is? Um, And I I think their answer was no. No. And we not, we got to find a place that is, and that's part of the reason why uh, they reached out to the Big Ten and brought UCLA along with them out to the uh, Realty One Group listener line. Rainer Mack is on the line. Hey, Mac. Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? We're doing good, man. How, right, you how are you doing? Good, good, good. Hey, um, I, I live in Southern
3: California. I used to um, um, do ball boys for, the, uh, for USC back in the day. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you this now. I, and My son was a top recruit and stuff, but I'm telling you this right now, the parents, we're not we're not able to afford to travel all the way to Wisconsin and all mm-hmm. these, so USC can do what, USC and UCLA is putting parents, um, they're not thinking about the parents, because, you know, we can't see our kids, nobody's going to travel all the way to Wisconsin and all mm-hmm. these places. The Pac-12 was right, uh, the Pac-12 teams are right there, so yep. we are able to travel to different games, and see, this is what I say about, well, um, Businesses is that they, uh, you know, because that's what USC and UCLA is the business. The football is the business. They don't care about the the, the little people. All they do, and, and, and like I say, I mean, you, the Pac- the Pac-12 is not going to go away, so they can do whatever they want. But but they, the little people, are going to suffer because people can't afford to travel all the way. We could drop, we drove to Arizona and different places like that for games. Mm-hmm. But now to try to have to fly to. To to Michigan and all these places, it costs money. It, it and a lot of parents don't have that kind of money, so I mm-hmm. think it's unfair. But they can do whatever they want to do. The Pac twelve will survive without them, without USC and UCLA. I guarantee we'll bring somebody else. Utah still in there, and 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 good riddance to them if that's what they want to do. But I, I'm not mad at them. But it just shows me what what the big the um, the big picture is is that. They don't care about the little people because the traveling is expensive.
0: Raider Mac, are are you talking about uh, the parents of the players or just the fans? Players,
3: general? players, and and and, the, and people that 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 not alumni, but people that that like USC and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, maybe the maybe some of the USC alumni can afford in UCLA can afford to travel and go see their kids, but everybody that these guys recruit don't have that kind of money. To go and stuff, and I and um, I used to I, I used to um, go to all the games with my son right. when my son was playing. But now, I, I mean, as a parent, it cost me a lot of money just to go to Arizona. Mm-hmm. It cost me money, but it was at least I could fly to the games. I could drive to Oregon. But you know, when you go to Michigan, right. uh, Ohio State, and all that, you got to fly you got to fly yeah you, you know stuff what you, you, you
0: bring up a really good point uh Rader because and you know where my mind is going is the Nil I'm wondering if um because that 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 money that's um sitting there right now and I think is only going to grow uh, I wonder if there, if some of these Nil uh, deals that these players uh finally uh, are able to do uh can help maybe offset some of the travel
3: yeah but that's not everybody though you, you you're talking about a, a, a small percentage of guys that's gonna be able we talking about we talking about guys that that everybody's not going to get that money, and you know it, and you see it right now. Everybody's not getting it. all the top tier players are getting it, but the the guys that's just a starter that, that may not go to the NFL is not getting that 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 money. So that's 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 not good. It's still not good. I mean, I, I I'm kind of disappointed in, in in USC and UCLA, but that's what they want to do. The Pac-12 will survive mark
1: my words uh, real quick if you had another child that is coming up let's say on you know being um, in, in the area for recruiting to another sport and you're looking at schools you know does that change how you decide where you might place your child and in, into a, another program do you look to stick with maybe a team like that's in arizona or something like that
3: because it's yeah. easier yeah yes I, I would go to utah I would okay go, i would i would have my son go i mean it's gonna be his choice right I, i've been through the recruiting thing my son got a got a full ride also too nice. and my thing is this you know, like um, the schools out here—the Centennials, the Roosevelts, the different schools, the Powerhouse, Modern Day—the the different schools that's out here. I mean, those kids, those kids are, are going. You know, they, they wanted to go to USC because they they parents can watch the game. I, and I coach youth football, and, and they everybody, all the parents want to go watch their kids play. That's why a lot of the kids were staying home. Now you're telling me I got to travel all the way to to Ohio State, that's a lot of money. I was flying to Ohio every day, every, every weekend to go see my son play. That was a lot of money. I had the money, but it still was a lot of money to go every weekend to go see him play. Yeah, know?
0: I'm 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 hoping that uh, – I appreciate the call, Raider, Raider Mack, and you bring up some great points. I'm hoping that there's somewhere, somehow – uh, some, ha- some 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 you, you know money that's going to be be able to be uh, put toward helping families at least for the for the players to get to these games and I know that uh, the USC athletic director talked about how um, you know travel might change too with the extra money uh, that that these schools are going to start getting from the Big Ten uh, money uh, the revenue streams. Uh, maybe, maybe you know, private planes and things like that that are able to not only get the team there, but maybe some family members uh, as well. If you're going to be making these decisions, because let's face it, these are money-making decisions for the schools themselves. It ought to be able to trickle down to the players and their families to at least be able to get some of these games because, as Raider Mac talked, uh, you know, brought up, it's a whole lot different driving from L.A. up to go see Stanford or, or Cal when mm-hmm. when the Bruins or Trojans are playing uh, up there, or out to Phoenix to go see, um, you know, Tempe, I should say, to go see the, the Arizona State uh, or, or, or um, you know, close by these these schools that are close by. There's a big difference between that and having to get on a plane and go to Iowa or Wisconsin or Minnesota. So some way, somehow, hopefully, they'll be able to figure out a way to get these parents to these games. It's the Morning Tailgate Show with Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, and Devon Cotton.
2: Hit up the show on Twitter at Clay Baker Radio. And now back to the Morning Tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.
0: Come on, man. I got to give you a lot of credit. Not necessarily my cup of tea. <laughs> There's only so much money and time that you can invest in your music, you know, so <laughs> you have to pick a couple that, uh, that fit your style. You're um, a
1: Funk Tuesday kind of guy. I am
0: you? definitely a Funk Tuesday guy. Back out to uh, the uh, Realty One Group listener line, 502 Raider D. Is on the line.
4: How are we doing today? How are we doing today, guys? We're doing all good. Right. How are you doing, our friend? I'm doing well, but Heidi, uh, I know you were back earlier than today, but it's good to see Thank you. Thank you. On there. I love, I love you guys. Like I've listened to the show since you know it's pitching Clay, and, and 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 I love how it's evolved and what it's become. Um, you know, I, I'm 51 years old. I remember you know being a, and I still am an avid sports player, and I go to games and do stuff like that. You know, people don't realize that college sports. Has always been a business. But what, what has happened is it's been, it's been a business behind closed doors. Yeah,
0: you have,
4: these, you have these boosters paying people. these, And all the big schools get all the best players because they have the most money.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And with these TV deals and how that's evolved and these schools getting all this money, this is, I mean, I hate to say it, but this is kind of what's right in the sense of, one, they should have been paying these guys a long time ago. Yeah. Because they are making the school money. But the weird thing is very much like, you know, you were talking about earlier, Benny, it's really crazy that, like UCLA and USC playing in the Big Ten is the craziest game. <laughs> that, I'm not, and really, and I'm from Kentucky. Oh. Because, you know, I grew up seeing these teams, but I grew up seeing these teams, and, and, and you know, I, I love you know, I love the West Coast some Big Ten Ravens fan. But to see those guys playing in the Big Ten, it really lets you know something that is a big, big business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. It, 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 it and, and what's going to end up happening. Is very much like you were saying today. What I think is going to end up happening is going to, it's going to probably be eight conferences. It's going to be an even number of conferences. And it's going to be a matter of these teams kind of hitting the board. Now you got you got to think, what's the Pac-12 going to do? They're going to find two teams to pick, or four teams to pick, exactly, out of some other conference that's going to try to make up for what they're losing. But, man, we've got to, I mean, this is getting to be ridiculous, man. But, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's part of what, it's the evolution of what sports is becoming. I don't really like it, but it's... I, mean, I don't you really it,
0: like it either. We can do about it. Yeah, um, n- neither do I. You know, uh, I-, I-, I loved traditional, um, regional college sports and so you know you, the the west coast figures out their best team and the midwest figures out their best team and the south figures out their best team uh, and the east coast figures out their best team and you have bowl games to kind of let all those regions fight you know finally play uh, against each other but we you know we started getting away from just that pure enjoyment and love for the game and not, not everyone had to hoist a big trophy at the end of the day but it just felt like um, the the longer time went on, the more we needed to figure out who's the best team. We got to figure out a way to uh, uh, you know uh, um, choose a, a best team. When you know Raider uh, Raider D, uh, with your age, you you grew up along the same time about the same time that I did remember t- days were on New Year's Day where you know three or four teams got a- got to hoist a-, a a bowl championship and you felt good if your team won that bowl game and and that was enough uh, but now we have to have the ultimate champion and I don't know something's getting taken away uh, with all that I feel how do you feel about that oh he's gone all right uh, Heidi you know yeah. like m- back in the day you used to have like uh on, on new year's day whether it Those was the orange bowl, the rose bowl the yeah. sugar bowl the fiesta bowl um and then the bowl games you know prior to that um you know everyone got to a bunch of teams got to feel good about their season and it wasn't so important to decide who that ultimate best team was
1: and other folks got to feel good about their hangovers and recovering and no just doubt. watching <laughs> all of that unfold but it is Oh, man, it's different now. It was a different era then. It's hard. Like, I agree with the call there. Um, It's hard to watch everything kind of realign when you've been used to such a, a different way from back in the day and then watching it change over. But it's all business now. And like one of um, we just had the other call, and he was talking about how you know the the alignment has changed the way that he's going to look at what's going to happen to his, his other kids that might go on to play in a different you know team because or in a different area because they can't. Really go watch them.
0: Well, when I covered, um, you know, when I was a columnist at the LA Daily News, I'd have to. I'd covered a lot of UCLA and USC away games, and mm-hmm. when they were going up to Cal or Stanford, I would often drive. Drive, right? You know, so it's easy. what would and and same going to Tempe, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what was so cool when I would leave like on a Friday because the game would be on a Saturday, uh, driving up the one hundred and one up north, seeing all like if it was USC going up to play uh, Cal um or, or or stanford seeing all the usc flags all these all these fans family members okay, yeah, yeah. Ca- caravan caravanning up to um you know up north and and you felt that excitement and it's cool you know oh, all right usc is going to go play a big game against stanford or, or cal uh, up north and you see all the support coming from the south and the same thing would happen when cal um or stanford would come down to southern california you would see the same thing from the reverse side and you're not going to have that uh, no. anymore you know that that i know when we talk about Southern you know california and you talk about the the usc-ucla rivalry and it is huge but then there's also a rivalry within the rivalry and that's the northern california and southern california t- yeah, that's going big on big time um, so you know it's it's it, that's something's getting taken away uh, in that regard. I don't know what's going to happen with Cal uh, and Stanford and where they're going to end up, but I'm going to definitely miss uh, those, those those battles because there were some really good battles between SC, UCLA, and, and uh, Cal uh, Stanford. It's the morning uh, tailgate show. Vinny Monsignor, Heidi Fang,
2: and Damon Cotton. Now back to Clay Baker with your morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m.
0: Right around the corner, we've got uh, Eric Nixik from Extreme Couture. Uh, Big fight card uh this weekend over at t-mobile uh, arena heidi who we got
1: one of the many things you can do while <laughs> you know waiting uh for training camp to kick up is international fight week in town they have the ufc expo here the hall of fame was last night and the fight card like you mentioned ufc 276 on saturday israel adesanya in the main event against jared Cannonier, who looked a little scared like he was shaking in his boots scared. yesterday a little scared a yeah, big spotlight it was a little much for the Cannonier man and then you have in the co-main event a real uh, a fun one that i'm looking forward to in the featherweight division for the belt uh alex vander volkanovsky putting it on the line against max holloway
0: scared over who he was getting ready to fight no, or like this the, the the mental spotlight.
1: and spotlight and which is a big deal of though course. if you're going to be taking that octagon and he's done the octagon before and before but this is a championship fight and going up against Israel Adesanya. So it's like when and you have that kind of stage and Israel's so good on the mic and y- you look a little scared by the smack talk, like he's getting in your head. That's interesting yes. as you talk men- mental game before mental warfare before a fight. So and uh, Brad Tavares is actually a guy that trains here. In Las Vegas and is a huge, huge Raider fan. They've done and managed uh, to get the gym out and doing stuff with the Raiders as well, which is why I wanted to talk to Eric Nisik and have him come on. And we, we hear a lot as well during off seasons about fighters who train in MMA to get better at their game throughout and to have a different change up uh, in the way that they train in the off season And so a lot of the times, like I remember, I think this was maybe 2006. I think all of the Falcons did this.
2: Oh, and really? went to
1: a, a local MMA gym to train together to work on just a lot of different um uh, strength and, and conditioning type of things it, yeah. it was, it, i was pretty interested to find that out and then i as i've gone through my career because it's had this weird nfl and uh combat sports balance throughout right. <laughs> and so as i've gone through and had the opportunity to talk to a lot of different ball players and and fighters you find that they both like to cross train a lot and that's something i'm wondering as. You know, and um, as NFL grows here in town, how much that might be of interest to some of the players is to maybe go train over at a gym. Like no I'm doubt,
0: saying. and um, I mean, I, I've talked to football players who have done yoga. I've talked to football players who have done like dancing ballet, like mm-hmm. to, to to help with the balance. There's mm-hmm. all sorts of different ways um, to train uh, to to help you uh, maximize whatever it is, whatever sport you're you're playing, and I think that's pretty yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. And so those are things that I want to ask him about. They also got to come out on the field for uh, an event last year with the Raiders during uh, uh one of the games that happened out there and they brought a whole bunch of guys from the gym. So uh, this is a Raider a fan heavy gym as well. So I wanted to make sure we talk a bit about that and Brad's upcoming fight against Riscus Duplessis. which is a tough one.
0: you bring up a good point about the cross training and things yeah. like that. And I think it's I think it's important um for the younger people in our audience and maybe even the parents because we're getting into a, a into an era where where parents are just specializing uh, their kids into one sport or the other. You have to pick basketball or you have to pick football or whatever the sport uh, of, of choice is. And I think you're limiting the kids when you do that. Um, and I, I remember I've told this story to Damon, I believe, but um, I remember – covering the Clippers and I'm, I'm at a practice and it's before the practice started. Um, it's kind of a, a light practice on the road and I'm, I'm sitting next to, uh, Blake Griffin. Right. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, you know, he's like, what? And I'm like, you could have been a good football player. I'm just <laughs> looking at you right now. And yeah. I'm just looking at you. Like I'm thinking like a defensive end, put a little right. weight on it, you know? And, and he's like, it's so funny that you should mention that. And he goes, I played, I played football in, in yeah. high school. He was, I was much thinner. So he was a wide receiver. And um, so he tells me this story about how his dad was a renowned basketball coach in Oklahoma, high school basketball coach in Oklahoma, right? And he goes, the irony is you would think that he would have just made sure that me and my brother just played basketball. He's like this big Uh, highly successful high school basketball coach. But instead he said, no, you guys are playing everything. He goes, so when we were kids, I was playing baseball. I was playing football. I was playing basketball, whatever, you know, uh, uh, the, the sport was. And he goes, and I'm telling you right now, had I not done that, had I just stuck to basketball, there's no way that I'd be in the NBA right now. He goes, because I'm the type of person that just gets so bored with stuff that I needed the change up. I needed, and he said, you know, cross-chaining and some of these other sports, playing these other sports, it helped me develop better basketball skills that were you know football things were transferable to basketball baseball was transferable to basketball so it made him a better well rounded
2: athlete
1: yeah it's like you think about a lot of these guys that could have been crossover athletes like um Terrell Owens was one I think he had a basketball uh, career obviously Bo Jackson is like the guy that right. did both yeah you know? and then you have Michael Jordan <laughs> Deion and, Sanders yeah uh, even Patrick Mahomes had been you know had a decision to make like, yeah. about going to a baseball team Kyler Murray right mm-hmm. Kyler Murray
0: was a great baseball player. Yeah. yeah. And Russell I, Wilson.
1: I'd love to see their alternate universe versions of themselves. Yeah. Like <laughs> just to see what had happened. Russell if, Wilson yeah. in
0: uh, playing second base for the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um I, I I imagine that he would have been pretty good. Uh it's the Morning Tailgate show. We're talking about sports. We're talking about crossover sports in a little bit. We're going to talk about the MMA. Hot, hot,
2: hot, 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 hot. The grill is still sizzling and the drinks are cold. Sure. So let's get back to your morning tailgate with Clay Baker on r 920 AM. Let
0: the hit the floor. We're going out to uh, the Raider Nation radio guest line and welcome in Eric Nixick from Extreme Couture Gym here in Las Vegas. Uh, Eric, before we get started, I just want to let you know that a good friend mutual friend, just texted me, uh, Les Kekahuna, wanted me to tell you hello, um, says that uh, you guys are good friends, so hello from from Les, and uh, and thanks for joining us on the, uh, on the Morning Tailgate Show. Really appreciate it. Uh, Eric, you guys just f- wrapped up uh, weigh-ins for the big fight tomorrow. Uh, obviously, you work with Brad uh, Tavares, the great middleweight. What happens now? I, I'm always curious on after weigh-in, what's the process for the fighter at this point?
5: Well, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand how important the rehydration process is. Um, You know, obviously you're, you're taking a lot of weight off. We usually cut anywhere between 12, um, 13 pounds um, between the night before and then this morning, the morning of, and then the rehydration process is just as critical as taking the weight off. You know, Um, I think just over time, Being in the sport, you know, we used to do this horribly 10, 15 years ago. You know, guys would get the weight off Mm. and all of a sudden they'd go slam a burger and a shake, whatever the hell they can get into them. But um, we started to realize that, you know, obviously, I mean, it doesn't take a a rocket science to realize you don't want to eat clean all camp and throw a burger in before you go do a a fist fight. So the rehydration process is, is very, very critical. Um, you know, and back then, too, remember, we were allowed to IV. So that was something we used to do as well. Now with the USAida area, you cannot. So um, it's just a lot of electrolytes, minerals, some salts. Um, you know, get some greens and some probiotics in. But it's very, um, you have to almost kind of time it out. So Rod will drink one thing of water, and, and usually it's spaced out between 15 to 20 minutes. Then he'll move on to something that has a little bit more of, uh, more depth to it and then that one you have the timer and he'll start drinking that as well so that's a great question man it's one of those things where it's it's, it's actually kind of a science of itself is the rehydration
1: it's funny. We've been doing a lot. Hi, Eric. Sorry, we've been, Hi, doing, <laughs> we've been doing a lot of discussing like dream teams here for positional uh, skill players with the Raiders. And if you were to be um, my coach and Ma, you would be my dream positional uh, coach here for that. And I just wanted to say, like, when you're getting these guys ready, when you're preparing them, if you could just like kind of compare the way that you get a fighter ready and get the coaching and the mindset right to how a team might prepare on the NFL gridiron, like, do you feel like a lot of what you impart upon a fighter in the mental game is the same?
5: One hundred percent, you know. And I mean, this is for me, football was synonymous as my for my for my youth. This is the way I grew up. You know, I remember being on the field with my dad when he was at Valley High School. All, every summer so like this time of the year is for, kind of nostalgic for me I mean, you know we'd, we'd get up at six in the morning have our first practice come home and then you'd have a night practice so being on the football field for me is just kind of i think the way that i ended up becoming an mma coach and my style and my approach and a lot of those things um but you know that's a, that's a high compliment heidi i would l- I would love to be able to coach you on <laughs> whatever it is you know, I'll, I'll let you let me know
1: i'll but, break uh, yeah
5: there's, there's there's definitely a lot of similarities between You know, I think from what football gave me, and brought over to MMA for sure.
0: All right, um, Eric, uh, I'm going to play Max Crosby's uh, agent, and I'm going to talk him into becoming an MMA fighter. And (laughs) I'm going to tell him he needs to go work with Eric Nixick for six months. All right, I'm going to give you guys six months to get this done. Could you get Max Crosby to any sort of a level where he could go out there and compete?
5: Yeah, I, I definitely can. You know, Max and I are pretty good friends. He actually wrote me this week, at, was sending me videos of him hitting pads and, and some stuff for just for some critiquing things. But um, you know, I got to work with Solomon Thomas last camp, uh, and th- there's been a lot of guys to come through, and, and, and I uh, you know I've been fortunate enough to be able to work with. And there's a lot of similarities, especially when you're talking about these guys in the D line mm-hmm. and their hand fighting and the, the the positionals of of the way they want to swim and things of that sort go hand-in-hand in, hand in the way we do a lot of our, our wrestling, our clinch work, our Roman Greco, um, you know, and things like that. So we're almost kind of dirty box with them. I'll, I'll show them some stuff with the hands. But a lot of that clinch work, I think, is, is, is very close to what they're doing in the trenches. Um, but, yeah, man, Max, Col- or, uh, Max Crosby is a, is a super athlete. And I think, you know, for him to come in and do six months with us, he, we can get it pretty far pretty quick.
0: Well, it's funny because uh, you mentioned Max and, and defensive line and, and using your hands to fight and, and, and whatnot. Uh, let's flip off uh, flip over to the other side of the line of scrimmage and Alex Leatherwood, the young uh, Raiders offensive tackle. Um, part of MMA and part of fighting is also defending yourself and that's what I think of when I think of a blocker um, and hand work becomes absolutely uh, critical in that area as well. Uh, what would you, what would you if, if you had a chance to work with Alex Leatherwood, uh, what would be some of the some of the techniques that you would impart on him to be a better blocker.
5: You know, I think I think you could probably implore a lot of things that we do even like with, with Francis and some of the heavyweight stuff, but it's a lot of that like just um that, that clinch work, that that guy's pulling on you and tugging on you and how much that takes out of you. And I could not imagine trying to play at the NFL at the highest level with the size of the men that they are. But you know, that that endurance that you have to build to be able to stay in for all four quarters. So I think just for me when I think a bit more less than the technique but more of like the endurance and how you're able to, to withstand that, that amount of time in there with them. So just a lot of bag work I think and then getting, getting a big wrestler to work and pummel and drag on your head do all those things that we do I think would be a, be, you know, a huge asset to anybody offense or defensive line.
0: I love
1: this. I want to get into Brad's fight, but before I do, I want to kind of follow up on what Vinny was saying there. When you talk about, like, the clinch game and working with the guy maybe on the offensive line, I know Richie Incognito, Jermaine Illuminor, they are guys that really follow MMA as well. They're always tweeting about it. Do you ever think, like, wow, if I could get my hands on this guy, I could be able to teach him something that would be really beneficial to the game? Is there any player maybe on the Raiders that you've been, like, dying to work with in some sort of way?
5: I'd say probably Max just because, yeah. you know, Max does have a, a pretty close relationship with myself and Sean Strickland and Brad. Um, you know, he's, he's almost a fan of, uh, of our sport as well. And, and, and there's like, you can see that, that cross of, of, uh, between the lines between the two sports and just respect on both sides. But I think Max's enthusiasm, you know, he reminds me of a guy that would want to go in and scrap and throw down and, you know, being able to have somebody like Max with that mentality. Um, sometimes, you know, Heidi, it's not necessarily the skill set; it's mm-hmm. the way you approach your game and the mental side of the game. And I think Max has that it.
0: We're talking to Eric Nixick from uh, Extreme Couture uh, here in Las Vegas. Big fight uh, with his fighter Brad Tavares uh, coming up tomorrow, um, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Eric, you, you know, foot, much like football, uh, MMA fighting, uh, there's there's a physicality and a slash violent element. Uh, to it. And so parents are, um, you know, uh, they're, 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 what's the best time to get their son or daughter uh, into uh, that type of sport, that type of physical sport. When it comes to MMA fighting, are we uh, in a better position today uh, to to figure out what's a good age to really get our children involved in that, if that's what they want to do?
5: Yeah, that's, you know, for me, I've been in a shrimp Kouture for um, just about 15 years now. And we've had these kids come in and they don't play any other sport. So when I was running the kids program about 10 years ago, you know, these kids now are, are some of our pro fighters in our gym. They've, they've never played another sport. They've been in our, in our system, in our gym since they were, since they were kids. So, you know, and and, and you say that, but I remember it kind of struck me as their coach. I'm like, well, what else are you guys playing? They're like, nothing. This is it. Like we're doing wrestling, jujitsu, kickboxing and everything else. And, you know, for us growing up, that was, like, martial arts was kind of the side dish to baseball, basketball, and football. You know, now these kids are competing at a high, high level. You know, two kids won the World Jiu-Jitsu Tournament not so long ago. An 18-year-old and a 19-year-old were two of the best grapplers on the planet at this tournament. So it, it's, it's crazy to think about how far this sport has evolved. But most importantly, when you're looking at as a parent, when you're looking at a gym, you want to find a place that you feel that fits your, your ideologies, your structures that clean, do they take care of? It? What's their message they deliver? But once you find that place, I think you're, you're, you feel comfortable sending your kid in there. Knowing that they're going to teach them the rights and the wrongs of the sport.
1: Yeah, I've been talking a lot about Brad because I know he's a huge, huge Raider fan. Oh yeah, I know you guys are out there uh, for a couple games. I know I I saw that he had posted from the Win Nightclub area and that you guys all went out there I think you carried the flag during one of the events for the oh, Raiders, yeah. right? Yeah, it's uh-huh. amazing. Danny, right? Danny uh, was out there too.
5: Yeah, Danny Davis. Yeah. myself, and Brad. Yep.
1: Okay. Cool. So. Uh, as you start to look at his fight this weekend against Driscus Duplessis, but, um, I know you've been preparing him, but you also have Sean Strickland, who's been a new addition to the gym. He was kind of taking over the press conference yesterday uh, as he looks to face Alex Perez. So how, uh, when you have these two fighters getting ready, like how does that work on you as a coach?
5: Um, you know, a lot of times it does kind of remind me of, like, if you were the head coach of a football team and you want to rely on your coordinators quite a bit, and you do a lot of delegating, um, but I'm more of a hands-on guy. So, you know, I'm, I'm there last night with them. We're, we're cutting weight together. We're doing everything together because I just feel like if there's a mishap or something's wrong, um, you're present. And you're able to kind of, um, you know, call audibles, if you will, if you, if you need to, on the fly. But, um, you know, Brad, uh, Sean has been such a great addition to the team, and a lot of people don't know this, but Sean had been coming in to a Shinkley tour for years, but he was out living out in California, so he was yeah. coming back and forth. So we were very, very aware of Sean and, and knew Sean, and then he decided to kind of make the tour' full-time home, um, you know, probably a couple of years ago now. So it, it, he, he's, such a, he's such a character as you see in his press conference. But I'll tell you what about him, Heidi, he's one of the best teammates you're ever going to meet.
0: Nice, nice. That's awesome. Uh, Eric, thanks so much for uh, spending some time with us uh, in the morning tailgate show. Uh, great luck uh, t- uh, this weekend uh, with both of your fighters um, and, uh, and 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 best wishes uh, moving forward. We'll, we'll get you on uh, real soon. Thank you very much, Eric. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. You have it. That was Eric Nixick from Extreme Couture. Big fight this weekend. You're
2: uh, in the morning tailgate with Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, and Devon Cotton. Hot, 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 hot. The grill is still sizzling and the drinks are cold. So let's get back to your morning tailgate with Clay Baker on R&R 920 AM.
0: I hate to be that guy that says, man, can you believe it's already July 4th? (laughs) But it's already July 4th. What are you going to do? Uh, you're gonna get ready for football season. It is we're 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 basically um, just a couple more weeks of having a uh, somewhat normal life, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's that, nice that,
1: enjoying the weekends. I tell you that I love the, just being around the weekend and being low key. You know, not yeah, that's having, all
0: coming to an end. It's
1: over. It's, it's over. Starts done July with July 21st, I think. First, is yeah, when we fa- finally get to come
0: get, right. Get uh, r- to r- rookies in. report July uh, 18th. The veterans July 20th, and then it's on. And we love
1: that. I'm that. like Donkey Kong. I want to say
0: thanks to everybody that joined us this week. Uh, everybody that tuned in. Everybody that wrote in. Thanks to Daman Cotton, obviously, for uh, for jumping in on short notice and doing everything that you do, Heidi Fang. Thanks. To, ooh, love having you back, by the way. Thank you. Uh, Clay Baker. Um, hopefully everything's all good with our friend Clay Baker. Uh, and he'll be back next week, um, I'm sure. And uh, to everyone, have a great and safe Weekend, we are not on July 4th. Uh, we are going to uh, celebrate uh, Independence Day with everybody else. Uh, look forward to t- uh, re- regrouping next week, uh, next Tuesday, 7 to 10 a.m. on the Morning Tailgate Show uh, with Clay Baker, Vinnie monsignor and Heidi Fang. Devon Cotton, thanks a lot, buddy. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinnie B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.